Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. All right, y'all. If you're, uh, if you're wondering if we're about to jump into a, a whole series on, through the book of Acts, not yet. Someday we will preach through the book of Acts. Uh, but today and next week, what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of look uh, at, at some of the common themes in the book of Acts um, about what shaped and what marked the people of God, um, what it was that, that defined who they were. Um, and so we're going to look at just some of their characteristics, like uh, who, who were they? And then next week, we're going to look at like what they did, like what did they do together um, that launched this, this, uh, this global impact that the early church had on the world. Um, and then the next week, we're going to look um, at what does a broken community of people look like? 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 tell us a lot about what a broken community looks like, the whole book of 1 Corinthians, really. And then the next week, we've got, we got four weeks planned out right here. The next week, uh, we're gonna look at, at uh, what does a unified uh, body look like? Uh, so what does a divided body look like? And then what does a unified body look like from Ephesians? Um, and so over these next few weeks, as we kind of lead up to the launch of our fall community groups that start the second week of September, uh, we're just going to look at some of, the, some of the beauties, but also some of the complexities of community um, and the people of God, ultimately um, hinging on the fact that whatever we are, that we are a redemptive community. Um, as broken and as, as uh, divided as, as we sometimes feel, as we sometimes are, um, we are a redemptive community. Um, and so I wish we had time to go through a lot more, but, but Matthew, the book of Matthew, when Jesus tells us that we are the light of the world, um, that's Jesus declaring something about us. It's not, he's not making a suggestion um, about us being light. He's saying, hey, if there's any light in the world, you are it. Um, you as the church are that light. And so we are just gonna spend the next few weeks of, hey, what does this look like being a redemptive community that would reflect the glory of Jesus um, and be good uh, for those around us in our world? And so Acts chapter one, here's what I wanna do today. Um, believe it or not, I only have like two pages of notes. And you, you know that could be good or it could be bad because I could fill up the time that we normally take, but today we're just gonna look um, at four, uh, four characteristics that marked the early church. And so, hey, let's just read this text again. Um, Acts chapter one, one through five. I'm not gonna ask who did it, uh, but this week we put out a challenge uh, for you to read through the book of Acts because today's um, sermon specifically um, is, is just better understood through the lens of Acts the book of Acts as a whole, rather than one specific text. And so we like to preach line by line through the Bible. Today's gonna be more of just an overview of the book of Acts in the people of God. But I think that we get a pretty good glimpse here in Acts chapter one, verses one through five. So let's uh, read that together. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at four characteristics of these people. Um, and these are general characteristics. Next week, again, we're gonna look at like what they did, how they behaved. This is who they are. And so first of all, from verse two, uh, we see that the people of God, the early church was a committed people. They were a committed people. And what were they primarily committed to? They were primarily committed to the Great Commission. They were committed to the words that Jesus gave his disciples as he parted with them. We've talked about this before. We talked about it at the end of 2 Timothy that we recently preached through, that the final words of somebody are typically their most important words, right? And so Jesus, among his final words that he gives to his people is the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, I wish I had that on the screen, but we don't. But in Matthew 28, if you're wondering what in the world is the Great Commission, this is what the Great Commission says. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so these were a committed people. We see in Acts chapter one, verse two, um, until the day when he was taken up and after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, that was a decisive moment for these people. That was a decisive moment that Jesus gave them the command to go into all the nations and to teach and to baptize and to proclaim the things that Jesus had revealed to them, had shown to them. And so they were a people, and so are we to be a people committed to the Great Commission. And so if you look throughout the whole book of Acts, you just kind of see, man, they are being faithful. They are being obedient. They are being steadfast in what they are called to do. The second, the second characteristics that we see of these people in the book of Acts is that they were not only a, a, a committed people to the Great Commission, they were an emboldened people. They were bold. And what emboldened them? What emboldened, what, somebody just scream out, man, what you think emboldened these, these previously timid people? What was it that emboldened them? The Holy Spirit, the resurrection. The resurrection primarily is kind of what we are working off of here. They were emboldened by the resurrection. Resurrection changes everything. Resurrection changes the way that these people lived their lives. Let me tell you this. Resurrection changes the way that you live your life today. Resurrection emboldened these people. So from an apologetic standpoint, studying the resurrection is a, a really fascinating thing. And one of the, I was having a conversation with somebody this week. I'm looking, I can't remember who it was. I was having a conversation with someone here this week about just the, the power of the resurrection and how from an apologetic standpoint, there's a whole lot of things that, that the resurrection supports. But, but one of the main reasons why we believe the resurrection is, is legitimate and is valid is because of the change that we saw in these people the change that we saw in these men, how when Jesus called these men to follow him, they were timid, they were young, they, they, they messed up continually. They, even, even up to the point of the crucifixion and even after the resurrection, some of them doubted. But we see that most of them went on to give their life for what they had seen. Verse three here says, he presented himself alive to them. 
He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So you wanna know what changed in them? The resurrection is what changed them. And they became an emboldened people and they became a people who were, who were obedient to what the Lord was calling them to do because they had witnessed what Jesus said he would do. And I think the same thing applies to us today. Are we an emboldened people because of the resurrection? If the resurrection truly changes everything, are, are we people who are, who are, who are timid? And are we, are we scared? Are we, are we just like, what is going on with the world? Like, yeah, we have a lot of those questions. But ultimately, these people were emboldened by the resurrection. First Corinthians chapter 15 claims that after Jesus resurrected, he appeared to over 500 people. Like, don't you think that if, if, if this was some conspiracy that was made up, that, that one of those 500 people would have blabbed. Surely like one of those 500 people, if Paul is writing this letter and saying, hey, there were 500 people who saw him. This is the way that Paul is saying, go talk to them. Go ask them if they, if they saw Jesus after he was resurrected. And there's the, we were talking about, we were talking about the swoon theory, you know, whether or not Jesus was really dead. Yes, Jesus was dead because the Romans were professional murderers. They knew how to kill. They didn't let people off the hook when they were wanting to kill them. They killed who they wanted to kill. And so 500 people witnessed the resurrected savior. And one of the things that marked the people of God throughout the whole book of Acts was the resurrection. Hey, this is one of the reasons why I, why I challenge us to read through the book of Acts. Because just in the next chapter, you see Peter preaching this message where 3,000 people are added to the church. And all throughout, you just see Peter over and over again proclaiming things that, that, that maybe years before he would have had a, a really hard time voicing or, 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 or talking about. And here Peter is emboldened by the resurrection of Jesus. These people were not emboldened merely by something they heard about, but by something they, they witnessed with their very own eyes, and they changed the world. Acts 17, if you read through the book of Acts this week, Acts 17, uh, verse 6 refers to these people, refers to what was going on in the world at this time, that these men have turned the world upside down, have come here also, that these people have turned the world upside down because of what they had seen. And so we've got to pause and we have to acknowledge that as we talk about this redemptive community and as these people being a, being a uh, committed, emboldened people, of course we have to pause and we have to acknowledge the fact that the church in the book of Acts, just like the church today, is an imperfect people. They were, they were just as imperfect, they were just as messy. I know that there's like all these, these glamorous ideas, like next week we're gonna talk Acts 2, 42 through 47, that they fellowshiped and they broke bread together and, and they did all these, these really cool, dreamy things that we just like, man, I just want to be part of a community like that. Well, guess what? They were also a broken, messy community. But what they realized is what they had in common with the resurrection and the hope that they had in the resurrection was, was greater than what divided them. And they were on mission to turn the world upside down. And so more than, more than being committed, emboldened, prayerful, kingdom-minded, and spirit-filled people, these people existed first and only because of the grace of Jesus. That's what ultimately emboldened them, was that they had experienced firsthand the grace of Jesus to flip their world upside down. And so they flipped the world upside down, but guess what? Jesus flipped their world upside down first. 
by the grace that, that he had in their lives. And so, you know, I've told you before, and I, like, I, I kinda, I'm kind of careful to say this because I don't ever wanna come across overly harsh. Like, like if I'm gonna speak pastorally to you, like I want it to be really clear. This is one of those things that's just kind of funny and maybe later it's not that funny, but like I've told you before, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. Don't, if, you, if you ever find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. Guess what? I'll mess up a perfect church. There are no perfect churches. Even the book of Acts is not, imperf- is, is not imperfect. And that is why, they're not perfect, sorry. That is why we are looking at the commitment and the, the boldness, and then next, the, the prayerfulness of these people. Look at... Um, Look at verse 24. We're, we're kind of sinking down into to the back half of chapter one. But there's a pivotal moment going on in this early church. There's a pivotal moment happening in the church. And, and what do these people stop to do? They stop to pray. They said, and they prayed and said, you, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. They were a prayerful people because of their commitment to the Great Commission, because of their boldness that they had experienced from the resurrection. This led them to be a people of prayer. They were a prayerful people. Prayer, as, as one writer says, is the serious business of the church. Prayer is, is serious, the serious business, and it is the joy of the people of God to call out to God to say, we are totally unable, we are totally incapable on our own to, to, to lead this thing, to do this thing. But they were a prayerful people. They did not rely on their own energy or expertise, but on the sovereign provision of God. They were going to cry out to God because he was sovereign. You know, some people have said, like, why pray if God is sovereign? The, the, response, the right response to that is, why would we not pray to a sovereign God? Why would we not pray to a, a God who is in control of all things, who is powerful and, and over all things? Why would we not pray in a humble way to, to that kind of sovereign Lord? Hey, Acts chapter six, verse four, says that prayer and the word was their primary devotion. Their primary devotion, you know, this is when the, the, there's, a, there's a split about to happen in the church and like, hey, our people are being neglected. Acts chapter six, verse four says, hey, we will commit ourselves to prayer and the teaching of the word. Now, did that lead them to neglect the needs of the poor? Absolutely not. They, they filled that need. They filled that need with servants, with, with people who were gonna serve the church in a powerful way. They were not wealthy or resourced well, but what they were was they were prayers, faith-filled prayers. Church, a healthy church, if there's going to be anything healthy about us, is there going to be anything healthy about what we do in our community, if there's gonna be anything healthy about what we do in the world, it will first and foremost be based out of prayer. A humble approach before the Lord that I am nothing, I have nothing, and anything that I have comes straight from you. The last thing that I wanna point us to is that these people were a a kingdom-minded people. They were a kingdom-minded people. Hey, this is like a, this is, this is a, this changes so much about even just the way that we approach things in our own world. They were not so preoccupied with with, with little things that were coming their way. They were a kingdom-minded people. They were people who lived in light of the resurrection and in light of Christ's kingdom. 
that Jesus had come to establish his kingdom here on the earth. And ultimately, they were preoccupied with the fact that Jesus was going to redeem and restore all things because that's what he had come to do. And so, yes, like we see the chaos in our world and the madness in our world, but if we are preoccupied with that and not preoccupied with the kingdom mindset that the people of God have had since the very beginning of the church, then man, we're gonna, we're gonna crumble We are going to crumble. We are not a fear-filled people. We are a faith-filled people. And what that shows us is that we are a people who are kingdom-minded and preoccupied with the kingdom that Jesus has come to establish um, either either in October, November, or January or February. We're gonna preach through the book of Jonah. Uh, we're studying the book of Jonah, we're gonna preach the book of Jonah, and then straight from there, we're gonna preach through the book of Matthew. And so who knows, that, like Matthew's a long book. It's probably gonna take us like five years to get through that. We're gonna preach through the book of Matthew. And, and, and Jesus preaches one of the greatest, Jesus preaches the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. And in that sermon, he is pushing his people to be kingdom-minded people. He's saying, he's, he's, flipping, the, he's flipping the world upside down in this sermon. He's saying, hey, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are, are those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not for power, not for, not, for, not for a place in society, not for any of these things, but, but blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the right things. And these were people who believed that message. These people were people who believed that their reward was in heaven. They believed that, that, that there was nothing that could stop them. And Acts chapter uh, seven and eight, where, where you see the persecution of Stephen, like you wanna be, you wanna, you wanna just feel the weight of the kingdom mindedness of these people, go read the account of the death of Stephen and he, just the boldness that he has in that. And so they even changed, they, th- this, this kingdom minded mentality even changed the way that they endured persecution. One, one pastor here in OKC, Sam Storms, um, he, he, he uses this more in, in reference to, to end times, but I think it's perfect for what we're talking about now, being a kingdom-minded people, that these people embraced not an escapist theology, but an endurance theology. They didn't escape this, this world gone mad, let's escape it. They, they embraced a world and a lifestyle and a way of life that said, we're going to endure everything for the sake of our Lord. We're gonna endure everything for what he has called us to in the Great Commission, we are emboldened because we've seen Jesus alive. We are, we are prayerful because without the work of the Lord in our lives and in our ministry, there is nothing that we are able to do. And we are kingdom-minded because to get preoccupied with things that really don't matter right here, right now, are, are not things that we're gonna involve us in. And so these are things, church family, that I want us to, to just glean from the people in the book of Acts. And these are things that just over the next few weeks, we wanna build upon. And so next week when we talk about, hey, what was it that they did? Hey, they fellowshiped together. They worshiped in the temple and in their homes. They, they, they broke bread together. They, they were generous. They were worshipers. They were, they were people. But guess what? That is all built upon the truths that we have, have, have kind of highlighted today, that they were, they were committed, they were emboldened, they were prayerful, and they were kingdom-minded. Without any of that, our community, our fellowship, it, it, it's not going to last. You, you see that, right? Like you see that in a, in a world that is so divided, 
and is so hostile towards, towards one another, hostile towards God, that, that hey, we may hang out and, and fellowship and sit around and eat soup and all sorts of things for as, and drink tea and, and do whatever we want for as long as we want, but if it is not built upon the committed, emboldened, prayerful, kingdom-minded mindset that the church has always been built upon, that it, it will not last. It will crumble. And so we're gonna look at some of the, 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 the beautiful things that, that, that characterized what the people of God did. But we have to see today that just as the early church was, was these four things, that we too are these things. Hey, church family, guess what? You have witnessed the resurrection power of Jesus. You have witnessed that. If, if Jesus has, has spoken to your heart and if the Holy Spirit has, has, has come into your life and, and convicted you of sin, can I tell you what you've experienced? You've experienced the resurrection, that, that Jesus is, is bringing dead people to life. You, de- Ephesians chapter two, you who were dead in your trespasses and sins have now been made alive together in Jesus. Guess what? That's a resurrection. You've experienced that. And so we just wanna lean into these things that have marked the church over these next several weeks. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for, for what you have invited us into um, and being a, a, a people who are committed to what you have called us to do. And so Lord, if we are going to be a committed people, what we pray for right now is, is, is the, the ability to obey is just a level of obedience that when you call us to do something, that we would do it. That, Lord, we would, we would lean into what you call us to do and that we would desire to be faithful, knowing that first and foremost, that Jesus, who is the, the perfect Savior, who kept the law in, in every perfect way on our behalf so that, so that even when we fail and even when we sin, our righteousness is not based upon our own faithfulness or our own obedience, but it's based upon the perfect righteousness of Jesus. But Lord, help us to be committed to what you have called us to do. Lord, as, as, we, as, we, acknowledge just the, as we acknowledge the boldness of the early church, would you give us today, boldness. Lord, it's, it's easy to, to live escapist life and not enduring lives. It's easy to just retreat and not to engage, not just with the world, but Lord, even just with one another. So would you, would you give us a boldness that is, that is rested upon not our faithfulness, not, not our ingenuity, but a boldness that rests upon the, the theological, historical fact that Jesus, was di- that Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected. Would you give us a boldness for that? Lord, we need your spirit to help us to be a prayerful people. We, we try to do things on our own way too many times. Lord, whether it's just in our homes or Lord, in the church, we rely so much on our own strength. And Lord, it is your strength that we need. Lord, would you help us to be a kingdom-minded people? Would you help us to be the light that you have called us to be and that you have claimed that we are? Lord, sometimes I feel like my light is not very bright, but Lord, would you help my light to shine bright? Would you help us as a church
to be a, a people who, who love and to serve our community around us. Lord, as we have opportunities in the month to come with the, the, the school and all the people that will meet there, would you, would you help us to just be a people who love well? Lord, that, that we would be a kingdom-minded, bold, prayerful, committed people. Help this to be true of Grace Harbor. Help this to be true of the churches around us, Lord. Would you, would you give us such an amount of kingdom-mindedness that we would not see the church next door or the church down the street as, as a competitor or um, as, as an enemy? But, but Lord, would you give us, um, give us the, the, the grace and, and the boldness to, to partner, to, to, to love and to serve our community? in ways that would, would just show our, our, our community and our world that, that you love us and that you are calling us to be your children. Father, help us to worship you even now. Thank you so much that Jesus has come, has, has given his life and has made a way for us uh, to have peace with the Father, to, to worship the Father and to approach boldly the Father as, as beloved children. We love you and we pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, amen.